that's the lowest note I can hit. That's my tongue coming off of it and then barely going up against it with low air. I just tell people before you start trying to sound like an elk, you're going to sound like that European ambulance. Go high to low and just run through that and then you slowly start speeding that up. If you have someone like me who has a high arch and a high palate, I could stretch that latex way up there and overstretch it and then you don't get the consistency in the calls. So many people hear what an elk sounds like, they put a diaphragm in and they instantly try to sound like an elk. And I found that that's really a bad way to go about it because you're missing out on the mechanics of how to make those sounds. It's something that cannot and has not been, it can't be outsourced really, it needs to be a handmade product. There's no machine that can do 20 or 30 of them at a time, they're all built one at a time. It's muscle memory, I mean your tongue is a muscle and you're calling with your tongue You've got to practice it. You've got to get your tongue in shape and find that muscle memory. This is Jason Phelps of Phelps Game Calls. And I'm Corey Jacobson with Elk 101, and you're listening to Living Country in the City. Y'all ready for your dose of flyover state spirit? Straight from the concrete jungle? Well, put down your latte and pull on your boots. It's time for Living Country in the City. All right, y'all, welcome to episode 64 of Living Country in the City. Now, I am super excited to uh, release this episode. You know, this was one I've been really wanting to do. Uh, I recorded this out at the Western Hunt Expo in Salt Lake City. And, you know, we're six months out from elk season. And I am struggling with my elk calling. And I need as much practice and as much help as I can get. So I went to two of the absolute best elk callers I know, Corey Jacobson and Jason Phelps, sat down with the both of them, uh, stole the gritty Bowman couch for a morning. Thank you very much, Brian. And I really went through the very basics of elk calling from start to finish. I also am going to be putting up a video on my YouTube channel of this podcast. So make sure y'all give that one a look too. So let's get to it. Enjoy it, y'all. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Well, guys, welcome to another episode of Living Country in the City. Uh, we're still here at the in Salt Lake City at the Western Hunt Expo. This is not the Sportsman's Expo. <laughs> uh, 
that's what I thought it was uh, <laughs> last year when I bought my tickets and didn't show up here. So, uh, <laughs> but it, it worked out well. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so we're hanging out here, stealing Brian's, uh, Brian's couch for a minute. Don't hate me, Brian. But yes, I'm sitting here with two gentlemen who, in my opinion, are embodying what the hunting industry should really be about. Um, Mr. Corey Jacobson and Jason Phelps, thank you guys so much for hopping on the podcast today. So is there a, was that on purpose that you said Mr. Corey Jacobson and just Jason Phelps? Or is, <laughs> I mean, it's you like did say sta- gentleman. I think that was a status, though. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <"Mister," and then laughs> was that on purpose? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plead the fifth on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to get that in now. Oh, thanks, thanks. I'm sure it's the first of many. <laughs> Well, like I said, I'm here with Mr. Jason Phelps and Corey Jacobson. Um, I'm just had a way better ring to it. I'm just going to have to alternate this, or else I'm going to I'm going to end up in trouble and get thrown out of here. Um, but yeah, I just yeah, I just wanted to say it's uh, you know there's a lot of drama that goes on in the hunting industry, and and, and here comes. Uh, and speaking of drama, we're going to kick off Brian's couch now. Okay, it's 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 their fault. It's their fault. I blame them. It was their suggestion. Here. Come on, come on in, come on in. Group hug. <laughs> look at this, look at this. Peace, peace among. Uh, <laughs> uh, Don't but yeah, they say. absolutely. Not. <laughs> but uh, after that interlude, I just want to say, you know, there's a lot of drama that happens in the hunting industry. You know, we all know, we all see it, and uh, you know, I, I know Corey. I've known you for about a year now, and uh, you know, I came up, we were talking, and and it, it's just funny because in all reality, you guys are competitors to some extent and uh i Who, came Jason up and, and I? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why i don't know why at all no. um we'll find out in a month exactly <laughs> and uh and first thing you did when you know when i ran into you uh, over over by the phelps booth you're like hey have you met jason phelps you got to come meet this guy and uh and it's just it's one of those funny things where it really embodies i think what's super genuine about this industry and what I, I love to see and what really drew me to it is, you know, it's not a, it's not a competition. You're both about uh, furthering, whether you want to call it the sport of hunting or the hobby or the, the pastime or whatever it is, but that's what you're both about and that's what you embody so much. And uh, I see that. I know a lot of other people see that and I, I really, really appreciate it. No, I just Thanks. think it's, you know, we're elk hunters, we're people, we're individuals, and I don't think we should be categorized by the color of a diaphragm elk call we use or the yeah. camouflage we wear or yeah. the backpacks we use. It's yeah. At the end of the day, we're, we're elk hunters and we have to be united, and if we're divided over one thing, you know, if I'm only willing to hang out with somebody that uses my same elk calls and my boots and the camo I wear and the backpacks I wear and the bow I shoot and all that, pretty soon I've only got four or five friends standing around me and we're pretty isolated. Yeah, so. and that's, I kind of like, I like to use the analogy, like, you might drive a Ford pickup truck, I might drive a Dodge, but that doesn't seem to matter. Why, when we get down into the hunting industry, does a pack now all of a sudden matter? We got friends that use, you know, like Gatorade, you like Powerade. That doesn't seem to bother, <laughs> but so all of a sudden you get inside this industry and brands all of a sudden start to separate, and I don't think it should should be that way. Totally. Yeah, yeah and it's, I think we were talking a little bit earlier, and it's when you end up in those whatever you want to call them brand wars it's not it's not the brands themselves that suffer it's not the companies it's it's the consumers that use them that have no idea what's going on but suddenly somebody's sending them a nasty message on instagram because 
Well, just the, the analogy of, or, yeah. of, you know, boats on the lake. And as the water goes up, if all the boats are on the same lake, they're all rising together. And yep. if we're too worried about trying to throw rocks at the other boat to sink it, we're missing out on what's going on in the rising around it. And I just, yeah. you know, there's, there's too much good stuff going on to focus yep. on bad. And I mean, at the end of the day, Jason makes elk calls <laughs> and he's got to sell elk calls. And, you know, that's, that's his livelihood. I don't make elk calls. I do have a, you know, a line of elk calls, so I want to sell them. But it's not my livelihood. And, yeah. you know, my livelihood is teaching people how to hunt elk. And I've got sponsors and everything that I am very loyal to. But at the end of the day, I want to teach somebody how to hunt elk and be successful regardless of what gear they're using. And yeah. So speaking of that, that brings us to the topic of the day, which is how terrible my elk calling is. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean... You know, I picked up, uh, I, you know, I've, I've used the little diaphragm calls before. They used to sell them on uh, Venice Beach, but they were these teeny little ones. And they were literally solely... They sold diaphragm elk calls on Venice Beach? Not, uh, not elk calls specifically, but they were these teeny little diaphragm, I mean, diaphragm calls basically. Uh, but they were solely for the purpose of just making annoying noises and... So I, I remember I saw my first, I picked up Business my first idea. <laughs> <laughs> More noisemakers. Pretty much. That's a, and the, well, so that's pretty much how I learned initially how to make noise out of one of them. Because I'd seen them and I'm like, oh, I recognize those things. This one's just a significantly larger. And so I kind of had an idea of how to get sound out of it once I remembered it, which direction to put it in. <laughs> and, uh, Slightly important, by I, the way. You know, hey, there, you got four tries, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> true. Two, if you inhale, you can go to you got two. <laughs> Who's I talking with? Uh, um, oh, oh my gosh, Al, Al Morris. I was, talk, I was talking with him actually uh, last year at the ISC show, and he was saying, yeah, the first time I, uh, I ever picked up an elk, uh, elk call, I inhaled, and I just about killed myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I picked one up, and... Uh, kind of figured out how to make some noise, started watching some YouTube videos, ended up at the ISE show last March, and uh, no idea who your dad was, Corey. And he, uh, I just ended up there, and I was like, oh, sweet, more elk calls. I need to buy things. <laughs> and all of a sudden, this like really nice guy was sitting there kind of helping me out and you know, sitting down and showing me how to actually breathe from my diaphragm and, and all this stuff. And I, I think it wasn't until well after the expo that I'm like, oh, oh, wow. <laughs> I got a lesson from a really smart guy. Um, so that was, that was super exciting for me. But really, most of everything I've learned has been from YouTube videos and sitting down. So suffice to say, my, my education in elk calling is lacking. So I figured I got I to gotta get two of the foremost gentlemen in the... <laughs> There's that word again. Yeah. Gentlemen. Gentlemen. I, I think you, we'll just let him run with it. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds kind of cool. I've never been called that before, but... Well, I got I to gotta, gotta take it up here because right. by the time we're done talking, it's going it's to it's be these guys. Jeez. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, when, once again, I figure it's, it's useful to start from, from the basics for anyone that's listening. Absolutely. And, I mean, we talked about which way do you put the alcohol in. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So I mean, we start out. You got this this piece of this piece of tape uh, oh, which, with some which diaphragm with some is latex. That? Is, that, is that the Elk One Contender you grabbed first? I, 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 I believe this might be <laughs> this might be the Elk One Hundred One Contender, um, but we we do have a, a couple here. Um, 
<laughs> so, so what do we what do we got here? We've got a couple of uh, Phelps uh, amp calls too. Yep. Um, with all these fancy names. Um, we went real. We, uh, we we really dug deep on those ones and went with color. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you've probably seen it. Hey, I use that one blue yeah. call, and nobody I'm like, calls them by the name. And so, yeah, you end up with this name, and then you end up everybody referencing color. I'm like, I'm gonna I'm gonna outthink this one. I'm there gonna just go. go right back to color. <laughs> so, can I uh, really quick just make a universal request from probably ninety percent of the call using population? Can we stop using this neon green tape? It's because it why? is the most disgusting tasting. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I love the All Star. <laughs> it's it's one of the ones I use probably more than anything else. But it tastes foul, and it never that taste never goes away. <laughs> really, it never yeah, goes so away. So, just a little quick backstory: our green is now a forest green. We had the same exact green tape, and that <laughs> from all my research, just I'm, I don't want to go on a tangent here. That fluorescent green dye has that bitter taste to it, and I I was all worried like I don't want to get sued. I don't want somebody to own my house, so like sent my tape company sent me the MSDS like a re, you know. But and then the the call started getting bad reviews. At least mine, maybe I had a. I think mine had a more bitter taste it than does. yours. Yeah, and I think and, it's in the adhesive more than the dye. Yeah, and so I got concerned that my, the green call was getting bad reviews. So I'm like, we got to switch <laughs> for this. taste. Yeah, and so I'm like, I don't want that call to get a bad rap. And, <laughs> See, and I just market mine as a sour patch call, and now they as green apple. And there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you, that's what you need to do. You guys got to get mountain ops to start like infusing the calls with like night or something. Night yeah. I think night and hell back, uh, just a few years ago had like a, a double decker like snooze can looking apparatus that had like mint leaves or they they had a couple different flavors <laughs> in their turkey calls. Interesting. So it's been done. It's been anything yeah, to market. Yeah, anything. I will say. I will say. Some days I do pop in a, a call that I haven't used in a couple of days. I'm like, yep. Well, that tastes Chewing like gum. that <laughs> tastes like enduro. Or that, yeah. I'm like, what was I yeah. what was I drinking before I used that call? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that one tastes like old Miller Lite. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so we got we got we got these elk calls, and uh, I don't know if we want to break down the the different parts of them really quick here, um, and I guess maybe even talk about the. Um, what they're what they're made of first and foremost. If, For sure. If you gentlemen want to want to go through that, Jason, your manufacturer, you. Yeah, I mean, so we can all calls start with an aluminum frame. Um, we eventually sandwich them in half, so they they start out as an oval. We turn them into a half oval basically as we build them. So as you put them on the press, you you start with them, you know, bent over with kind of like a Pac Man. Um, we slide our latex in there. They're all built on presses. Um, they're built to a specific spec. We both stretch them you know, sideways and front to back. We get all those stretches dialed in. We'll cut that latex off. We then put a square piece of tape, a rectangular piece of tape over it. Now, I don't know the exact construction on the container. I believe that uh, dome needs to be glued on. On the plastic domes need to be glued on. Mine, my uh, aluminum dome is stamped right into the the construction of the frame because I'm really lazy and I wanted to <laughs> exclude another step. It made my life easier. Um, so our uh, our plate is stamped into the frame, and then we tape them, and then we have a die cutter that also so the, the latex is stretched on an arbor press with a, a um, basically a customized plate, and then the, the tape cutter is also on an arbor press that cuts the shape. Every we all have different. Um, we all have a different preference in shape of the tape. So you can see mine's a little shorter where the container's tape looks a little, to be a little deeper. Um, but we tape all those. And then everything, to my knowledge, I don't know about all it, but the, I'd say 95% of everybody, they're all handmade still in the States. You know, yeah. it's, it's something that cannot and has not been, it can't be outsourced really. It needs to be a handmade product. There's no machine that can do 20 or 30 of them at a time. They're all built one at a time. Yep. When you're talking about kind of the differences in between them, and I think, that brings up a good point is not every call is going to work for every, every person. Exactly. I mean, so, you look at how many different diaphragm calls do you have? Uh, yeah. 
between the flats and our amp frame, we probably have 25 different. Yeah. And it, it gets to be a, a manufacturing nightmare. But, yeah, yeah there truly could be a call specifically for everybody that's a little bit different. And I think we're, you know, 25, 28 diaphragms. You've got how many different manufacturers out there? 15? Yeah. Yeah. They all have a line of it. So, I mean, you get you look at these options, and there's 100 different options for a diaphragm elk call for somebody. And realistically, just about every one of them are, are slightly different in some way, whether it's latex thickness, latex stretch, size of the frame, the width of the frame, all yeah. these different things that ultimately contribute to the sound that comes out of it and is personal preference based on yeah. the user. Yeah, so, so I mean, you, you take two... I feel bad when I say it's two good callers, and you look at Corey's All Star. It's got a higher rise plastic dome on it, you know, quite a bit higher. So a guy like me, I don't, I've never personally liked a, a high plastic dome where you know you can't argue the, the, you know, the use of it when he uses it. But then a guy like me likes that lower profile, you know, either the pallet plate from Primos or Rocky Mountain Calls or our amp frame. I like that lower profile dome. Just seems to work and fit better for me. You know, so just between guys that sound amazing. Um, you know, good elk callers, you can see the differences in their preference as well. Yeah. And so that, it, that brings up, you got to pick a friend, you know, you got to try a it, bunch it is, because yeah. when, you're, when you're trying to find a personal fit for yourself, really, that's the only solution. You can't just look at one and be like, oh, no, that's the one that's going to yeah. fit from my mouth. There's no, like, it's not like shoe sizes where you're like, oh, I'm an 11 and a half wide. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would be I wouldn't be impressed if somebody was able to to categorize the calls in that manner. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm a I'm a 12.5 dome with a yeah. you know with yeah. a, a two width or something you know. And uh, it is important to try several different calls from different manufacturers to find the one that fits you. And some I mean there's several hunters I know that use multiple calls from multiple manufacturers on the same day because one of them they cow call better with, one of them they bugle better with. Yeah, and yeah we highly recommend you know. I'll by all means buy a couple of ours but, then, <laughs> but also you know if if i can hear a guy you know blow right through a call like maybe you should try a barry's call like his x-read the thing just you know you, you can hammer it, on yeah it. tons of pressure on it you know maybe if if you have a real high arch maybe you should go try one of you know Corey's plastic dome calls that, that'll fit up in your arch better and so i want people to trust me in my recommendations versus if i oh yeah just get in the amp and, and stay there it, it then I lose trust, I lose, you know, and so there, there's a lot of great calls out there that fit different, different yeah. mouth styles. And the hard part, you know, we talked at the beginning, if you're brand specific and you're only, you know, close-minded to your brand, if somebody can't use it, they're <laughs> divided from you now. They don't even want anything to do with you. Yeah. But if, you know, you, like Jason said, if you're trying to truly help somebody be a better elk caller and you're open to, hey, this, this might not be the best for you. You know, I, I have two elk calls with my name on it, the All-Star and the Contender, and I am fully aware that not everybody's going to be able to use them. These are just ones that I built that I feel I use really well that I think are easy to learn on. And I know, I mean, 50% of the people out there probably can't even make a sound with it maybe, you know. So. Well, I, I remember uh, when, you were first, when you first released the contender to the uh, Elk 101 members. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember, you know, everyone, the hype. I, I was super stoked to get it. I got in, I, I pop it in, and I could not make a single noise on it. It was I don't know what it was, but my first, probably my first 10 times trying it, I could barely get it to squeak out. And because um, I'd, been, I'd been using the All-Star, I'd, I'd gone through a few of them, and, I, and it's just one of those weird things. That I'm like, well, I guess it doesn't work for me. And then I, I started, getting, started getting used to it and, and figuring out, okay, the pressure and all yeah. of this stuff. And once again, I'm far, far, far from an expert at figuring out what I'm doing wrong. But uh, it, then it also turned, ended up, being one of the, the ones I, I took with me on my elk hunt because once I figured it out, 
I could consistently get a really strong call out of it. Yeah. But it just it there was a bit of a learning curve with it. You know? And that's just it. And for me, like we have the World Championship Elk Calling Contest coming up in a month, and I'm starting to practice. And I'll use an all-star, a mistress, a contender, just trying to find the one that hits just right. And I'll find, you know, say a, an all-star, and it's just cow calling perfect, perfect, perfect. And I'm like, okay, that one I mark it as my cow call. And I pick up a contender and try to cow call with it, and I can't make good cow calls. But after a couple of minutes, it's different latex thickness, different stretch. My tongue muscles have to react differently. I get going with that, and I pick up the all-star I just had making sweet cow sounds with. I'm like, I can't cow call with it because I'm <laughs> you know, blowing right through. I'm putting too much pressure on it. So from one to the next, you know, it does take adjustment to, to operate yeah. them. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com And I feel like that also brings up another topic when you're selecting a call is... Do you want to use? The, are you looking for a call that that does everything fairly well? Are you looking to take a couple calls with you and do specific things with it? You know, because there's a lot of different sounds you want so, to learn to make. So, in my opinion, I mean, Corey touched on competition calling. That's completely different from elk hunting. So, in the elk hunting world, we got a lot. If we screw up, if we're not perfect on that tone, it's different. So, but I think in the elk woods. And that's been the evolution of my company is we started with the flats, which it was, uh, it was either the, you know, it was never the jack of all trades. It was the king of cow calls. I couldn't build a good universal call. We're now, you know, that we've developed the amp, you know, some of their calls. I think we're all looking for a universal call yeah. that we can do everything pretty confidently on. It may not be the best, like you said, for a comp where you're holding that perfect high note, hitting that perfect cow call. Mm-hmm. But in the hunting woods, um, we are looking for that call that does everything good on, on one diaphragm. Um, but we still switch like if you know my big giant you know locating read isn't working there might be the next time i might go to a little you know a, a younger bowl or just a squeaky read i might blow it just tone. as loud just trying to you know change stuff up but yeah we i'm in my opinion i'm looking for one call that does everything on a hunt totally and when you get into the you know we talked about what makes up a call and we'll get into to calling and the technique for it but a cow call is made with really soft air pressure and it's completely tongue control you know making that change in the octaves and getting that just soft sweet nasally sound and when you go to bugle you have to put more air pressure and a lot more tongue pressure into it and instead of starting at the high note and dropping off like you do on a cow call you start low and go up the octave and then drop off and so finding a latex that will handle the drop off with low air pressure as well as the scale up with high tongue and high air pressure it's pretty i mean you've got to find just the right thickness just the right stretch on just the right frame width to be able to do that and so finding that one that's perfect at everything is yeah and then so going on what he just said finding perfect it's only finding one that's perfect but it's perfect for you so one that works for you is now not perfect for me and that's why we end up with 25 calls you know in a a single Mm -hmm. brand line so now here's the question would you say who knows more about latex? Would it be you guys or maybe a dominatrix? Because <laughs> <laughs> who, who has spent more time testing different types of latex? We met, it was funny before we walked in here. We were just having a big discussion about, you know, we're both engineers. So it's like we, we maybe take a too much interest in yeah. latex and properties <laughs> and elongation and stretch. And uh, 
we pay attention to it. I think very at a very high clip on on how it affects an elk call. Yeah, um, and then some of the properties <laughs> that definitely affect it. And, and we were talking, you know, the the colored latex versus the natural. Just the whole process of building latex affects the final product. You know, as far as like you said, elongation. You think latex is latex? Well, the length of time that it cures, all of that affects elongation, which affects the final sound. Um, if you get you know synthetic latex versus uh, natural rubber latex. There's, I mean, yeah, there's, you look at medical latex and all these different kinds of latex that are out there. They react very differently when it comes to a yeah, diaphragm elk call. Yeah. yeah, just like a recipe. I mean, you can you know, make the perfect loaf of bread one time, and then even from like order to order, I can get a great batch of latex, and then a, just a horrible batch yep. of latex next. And so, and, you know, just like building that recipe, they can screw up in the process of you know building the, the liquid form before they cast it out. Um, you know, they can get screwed up in, in that process as well. And thickness, I mean, you think about, we're talking three mil thickness latex, and most of the time it has a plus or minus one mil tolerance. <laughs> so you get a two mil versus a four mil, they're completely different calls. Yeah. And so making sure tolerances are within spec. And well, I think a that's, that's uh, once again, when you're selecting these, you know, you, you may end up, you know, you try and keep as much quality control as possible, but sometimes on a, on a call, one will be stretched a little bit more, the latex will have maybe a slight imperfection in that in that one specific yeah. call and and so you can occasionally pick up the same call i've i've had pretty good with with all the calls i've picked up i've had pretty consistent yeah. across yeah. the board and that's like you're saying that's what the benefits of them being handmade a lot of attention being paid yeah. to all of these calls yeah um but you know you'll it's it's all about experimentation and uh figuring out what works for you and but so speaking of that we got a few calls in front of us Got to figure out how to put one of these in. Um, so we've got the we got the tape, we got the the dome, we got the latex uh, all around the frame. Which way does this sucker go in here? So it goes in dome up. So the dome goes up against the roof of your mouth. That becomes the roof of your mouth. Okay. And that's the benefit of of the calls that have the backing, either a dome or a plate on it. Is before or without that the the flat latex can stretch all the way up to the roof of your mouth. So if you have someone like me who has a high arch and a high palate, I could stretch that latex way up there and overstretch it, and then you don't get the consistency in the call. So this, with the dome on it, it really helps with the consistency so you don't overstretch, so you get to the same point. It helps with the octave changes and all that. So the dome, the if there's a metal tab like on the amp, that goes up against the roof of your mouth, and that leaves the latex uh, exposed to your tongue. So your tongue settles up against the latex. And I always tell people it's like a blade of grass. You know, when you pick up a blade of grass and stretch it and blow air across it, that vibration causes noise. And that's the exact same principle here. You're wanting to get air to channel across that latex and vibrate the latex to make a noise. All right. So goes in, dome up, and then is it going, uh, which way is it pointing? Just like that, latex towards right. the front. So throwing this in. All right. I got it in my mouth. So the next thing is is your tongue placement and every, actually call placement. You you just put it in your mouth. Some guys like it straight up. I don't know. I'm a guy that runs it almost straight up, maybe a little bit forward. Some guys like to and when I'm teaching people, I have them run it all the way forward. Um, some people are just more comfortable there, but it, you need to kind of figure out what works for you on on you know not so far back that you're gagging on it, not so far forward that you're going to lose it out of your palate, but kind of find that even ground in the middle that's comfortable for you. Somewhere where it settles and you yeah. feel like it makes a good. Yeah. seal up on and the that, roof of your that's mouth. what I say the important part is sealing that air because if you put it in and you blow and all the air goes across the top of it you know between the call and the roof of your mouth 
you aren't getting air on the latex and you aren't going to be able to make a sound. So sealing, using the tape to seal against the roof of your mouth so all the air can be channeled down between your tongue and the latex and you create basically just a little air channel between your tongue and the latex. Okay. So we're getting that in there. Finding a somewhat comfortable place. I, I shouldn't say comfortable. Oh, there you go. Hey, you're good. You're making you, can make, you can make elk sounds. There we go. Done, are we done? Are we and cut. Uh, so I feel like... There you go. <laughs> Perfect. Right, as I'm trying to talk, I'm going to pull this out. So I get that good seal. Samuel's going through puberty. <laughs> Voice is squeaking. Entirely too many times on this podcast have I suddenly broken out into puberty in the middle of a sentence. Um, <laughs> you get that good seal. It's up in the roof of your mouth. What's, what's that next step? How do you then get that first squeak as long as you're not trying to talk? <laughs> it is just so I think, happening. you know, for me and Jason can, can give his, you know, experience there. But so many people hear what an elk sounds like. They put a diaphragm in and they instantly try to sound like an elk. They instantly try to bugle. They instantly try to cow call. And I found that that's really a bad way to go about it because no. you're missing out on the mechanics of how to make those sounds. So I always teach people, just start out making a soft sound. Just get noise, just like you did. Put it in your mouth and talk until you find out where that resonation happens to make a noise. I tell people to say the word hiss like a snake and really hold out that S. So, <laughs> See, and that S, <laughs> that S puts <laughs> your tongue in the exact position where you're going to contact the latex and make noise. And then once you figure that out, just keep replicating that sound, just that hiss. <laughs> and then the first thing most people do once they make that sound is they try to blow really hard with a bunch of air to hit the high note. And that's the wrong thing to do. <laughs> you want to use tongue pressure with low air like you're doing there and just push your tongue up into it and down and just start making the pitch changes with tongue pressure. Okay, so we got the hiss. Um. <laughs> and then... So that's all low, low air. Like I could have, I could have held that for long time, a long yeah. time, and that was just all pressure, very light pressure on there. It's not you're not jamming your tongue up against that, yeah. and it's and it's changing those pitches. Yeah, and then the harder you jam your tongue against it, you know, if you put it in, that's the lowest note I can hit. That's my tongue coming off of it and then barely going up against it with low air. Sitting against it flat. Yeah. And then as I start pushing my tongue up into it. So that's that's the old European ambulance, and that's what, once you start getting that change, I just tell people, before you start trying to sound like an elk, you're going to sound like that European ambulance. Go high to low and just run through that, and then you slowly start speeding that up, and then you start to sound like you get that break over an elk call. But that's what, that's the first thing I tell people is try to you know make the sound first, and then you sound like that European ambulance. Just practice going up and coming down on a cow, not not really a cow call, but just that, Even a cow that call, soft yeah. sound. Just go up and down. Um, one thing I wanted to touch in on real quick was uh, tongue placement. You know, you guys talked about getting your tongue there. So one of the things I like to tell people, because they always try to like float their tongue, is to kind of pin it against the bottom of your back teeth and then close your jaw, like bring your bottom jaw up and then you'll feel your tongue finally make contact with that reed. And so that kind of gets them started at yep. least. Because some people, it, I get anxiety watching people try to call <laughs> and like not make any noise. So I'm like, all right, put your tongue there and then at least close 
until you feel your tongue hit that. And then uh, you talked about pressure. One of the ways I tell people to think about it is not just lifting your tongue up, but keeping your tip, the tip of your tongue planted behind your bottom teeth. Yeah. And kind of imagine pushing your bottom teeth out. You get a little bit of a flex. Yep. You know, or or you know, use your hands instead of like some people just want to lift their tongue up, and you don't free want to float use it the into the call. Of your tongue. Yeah. And You'll feel it almost like it, you feel like your tongue kind of expand in your mouth yeah, almost yeah, with yeah. that pressure up yeah. and to the side. A little yeah, bit. and then the head of a cobra, you know, it flares yeah. out yeah. once you yeah. push up against it. Yep. And then another thing, just another little tip is, you know, say that's the bottom of my tongue. A lot of people, I think they get all tense and they try to like, you know, they push up hard. Everybody I've heard or told, like, keep relaxed. Like the flatter you can keep that tongue against latex instead of, you know, putting weird pressure on it. it seems better like seal. Help. Yeah. Yep. Better seal. And then lets them start making sounds a little bit earlier. And so it'll come up, it'll, you'll be hitting more with the, the back of your tongue almost, rather than you're not yeah, putting the, the tip of your tongue up against the latex. Use the tip of your tongue, it's a small little acute muscle there. First off, it's going to tickle like yeah. crazy. <laughs> Second yeah. off, it's way easier to control the flat part of your tongue than the tip of your tongue. Mm-hmm. You know, a bigger muscle is much easier to control than a small muscle. So, yeah, trying to get more of the ball of your tongue, the, the roll of your tongue instead of the tip of your tongue is definitely crucial. Okay. All right, so I'm so I'm swapping out for the contender for the the amp black here, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna try it again. And we can dub in some really good sounds over this <laughs> right off the bat. So. I'll just I'll just go down the download the Elknut app and 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 copy all this. <laughs> another yet another person throwing in throwing in other names yeah. here. Um, this is my first time using one of your calls. I am getting there. I am. Uh, this altitude is my mouth so dang dry. I'm going to need to take a couple drinks of water in a minute. Yeah, instead of trying to, to make it change octave, like you're you're going from one note and then clearly going to the next one, just let it roll up to the top and down, and it'll it'll naturally pop on its own as it goes to the next note. There we go. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And really what we've accomplished right there is the hardest part of elk yeah, calling. Yeah, it, it really is. Yep. Just getting to make a sound and be able to control the latex to go to the high note and the low note. From there, it's just a matter of understanding the mechanics of what each sound, what a cow sound is really made up of and what a bugle's made up of. And once you can control it to make those noises, you can hit the, you know, the mechanics of each call and then put it together in the right cadence and you're calling elk. And I think that's what one thing you mentioned. I think that's one thing I, that never really clicked for me is I always... I was like, okay, you hear these like steps, yeah. and I would try and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm to some extent doing the process correctly, but then I'm trying to like almost jump my tongue so it, it hits those steps, yeah. where as just as I was doing it now, I, I was just focusing on yeah. making it a nice slow rise up, and it does. It, it breaks at those certain points. It, it will, yeah. and the tube makes a huge difference in that. I mean, I, when I bugle without a tube, it's just a, it doesn't sound like it's hitting those individual notes it's just more of slurring up to the yeah. top and slurring yeah. back down the tube really helps transition each of those and hit that stair step as it goes up yeah okay so we're trying it here let's let's try now just to experiment with different calls now that was the the amp black you guys heard the contender before this is the amp orange a light cow 
calf yeah, that's immature. The, that's bowl. our lightest latex, lightest stretch in the entire in our entire line. And my big fat I, fingers I, cannot. It makes get me nervous selling that one to people because they go try to rip bugles on yeah. it. Like it's, it, <laughs> it'll handle some, but not a lot. So it, it should be really light, and you you may or may not feel the difference, you know, based on your experience, but. It's definitely, especially those softer, it's a lot easier to get the... The initial sound. That yep. initial sound. Yep. And um, and that's so that's one thing I've actually struggled with, and I, I'm sure probably a lot of people do, is is the consistency when you first start. You know, if you haven't been... It's, it's one thing, you know, I've been sitting, I've been bugling for the, you know, practicing my bugling, practicing my calling for the last hour. And then, okay, I can throw in a throw in one, and I can get that clean sound yeah. first thing right off. Is there, is it is, is it just a matter of experience then after that, um, or is there is there like a good good trick for people that are kind of starting out when they just they want to hit that first bugle um, or that first call, cow call? It's I think it's practice. Yeah, just, I mean yeah, he mentioned. Yeah, he mentioned already starting to practice for like the world's in a month. I've noticed just I haven't been calling a lot since I've been in build mode. Just in my three days here in the booth, I've gotten more, you know, I've gotten better (laughs) in those three days just from the point, you know, just in those three days. It is just practice and it's muscle memory. I mean, your tongue is a muscle and you're calling with your tongue. You've got to practice it. You've got to get your tongue in shape and find that muscle memory. And, yeah, if you practice twice, you know, right now and then go September and throw the diaphragm in, you aren't going to be able to make good sounds. Your tongue's not going to be in shape and, and know where to go and how to make those sounds. So, so we're, working on the, we're working on the cow calls. So what uh, – or we're working on the initial sounds. So we're getting those initial sounds down. Then what's, uh, what's the next step uh, as far as making those cow calls? What are the parts of those cow calls that, that you want to then start focusing on? And I think that's probably the most critical part is understanding – you know, we talked about air pressure and tongue pressure, and they're two very independent components to making the sound. That air pressure, as you're coming up, you know, it comes from deep in your diaphragm, in, you know, down in the bottom of your lungs. Take that deep breath and then control that air as it comes up. You don't want to just force all that air out all of a sudden and, and blow it all out, and you've got two seconds of a call and you're yep, done. Yep. You want to control that air as it's coming up. And then your tongue pressure, you control the pressure against the latex with your tongue. So there's low tongue pressure that gives you the low note with low air pressure. Then as you increase the air pressure and increase the tongue pressure, it's going to give you that high note. So for a cow call, a cow call starts at a high note and then quickly just drops off. So your tongue pressure, you know, soft air pressure for the high note with high tongue pressure, and then you just drop your tongue off pretty rapidly, and it just gives you that high note to a low note. So all I'm doing there is holding my tongue, starting with my tongue tight against the latex, forcing a little air across it, and then just pulling my tongue away from the latex. So it's that high tongue pressure to low tongue pressure. And that's really the mechanics of a cow call. I like to tell people, once you get that, just practice that, and then use your lips and really exaggerate the letters E-O as you're doing that. So the high note, E, and as you drop off, O. And that's a cow call. So, I mean, it's just once you break it down to that simplicity, the mechanics of it and then the cadence of it, and it's, it's yeah. really pretty easy to replicate. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's, let's give this a try with the amp orange here. <laughs> <laughs> 
Get that initial sound. So a transition from that E to the O, you want it to be really smooth. Not an E-O quick one. It's just a smooth transition there. There you go. And then when you really get into it, that high note is just super short. You just hit it and then drop off. If you don't hold that high note too long, you just touch it and then drop off. There you go. Man, we need to quit teaching people. <laughs> okay. That's probably the best cow calling I've ever heard. Say, that's <laughs> your, plenty good enough to call an elk right there. Yeah. Okay, so we're working on those cow calls. Are there, as far as making cow calls, are there, like, different styles of cow calls and what... You know, I'm, I'm sure as, as far as just a beginner in practicing, that's the main thing you want to focus on. But as, as you're expanding, uh, what, other, what other, I guess, phrases, <laughs> for lack of a better term? So, so, I mean, when you get, as you get experience, you'll start to realize, well, if I do this with my tongue or do that, you can start to sound like, you know, an older cow, a younger cow, all on, on one diaphragm. What are on the differences diaphragm. between the old cow and so the So the, the old cow, you're going to have yeah, that deeper sound, that, that older, mature, deeper sound. The calf calls are going to be short. They don't really have that breakover. So like he had mentioned that, that high-pitched chirp. On the calf, it's a little bit higher with the, just a little ending. You know, so you'll start to learn, you know, as, as you become, you know, start to perfect the, the art of a diaphragm call, you'll start to learn how to control that, high, you know, high, yeah. You know, on the calf, and then you'll okay. the cow. You're going to really maybe drown out that that low note. You know, the O part of it. You might you know over exaggerate for that nasally estrusy sound, and so you'll start to learn you know all of these different things and how to control it with your tongue. Maybe uh, give an example between the cow and the calf. So that's got the lower, you know, a little bit deeper nasally sound of a cow. And then you can just do your real quick calf. Um, and so, so calf. I don't use calf calls a lot, but they've, there's been times where calves are extremely noisy little creatures as yeah. part of the elk herd, and they've given off calls, and they want to communicate. So there will be times where you know, I'm, I'm in a thick patch of timber, and I know I'm getting close to elk, where if you can sometimes communicate with the calf. So they're all ultimately in the woods being as versatile as possible. Everybody, oh, you don't need to be the best elk call in the world to kill elk. I agree, but there are certain times and certain circumstances where having all those tools in your tool bag um, could be the difference. You know, not Maybe not the difference, but at least... It just adds in, another yeah. level of realism yeah. and, and versatility to your calling. Yep. Yeah. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Yeah, I mean, you you can kill elk with very basic, oh, basic tools, basic yeah. in in your calling in your calling toolbox. But you know, it's like working on a car. Yeah, you if you've got a if you got some channel locks, you can get a lot done. But <laughs> if you if you've right. got a ratchet at the right yeah. size, yeah. life's going to be a whole lot easier. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sorry, so let's see if we can. So, 
Calf. <clears throat> yep. And then... A little more like that for... Yeah, that sounds great. Awesome. Yep. So what's... Uh, you know, I've, I've, I'm... I'm far from it, but say I've mastered, I'm mastering my cow calls. What do, what do I want to learn next here? So, as far well, as to add to that, I think to the both toolbox. of our calling styles. We're kind of finally getting to our calling styles now. You, know, you, <laughs> you pull out. You, we're going to use the same diaphragms, but then you add, you know, the the grunt tube, the bugle tube, whatever you want to call it, to to start assisting those um, bugles. And as Corey said, cow, cow calling for most people is easier. When you get into the bugling, you now not only have your tongue pressure to worry about, but you now have to try to coordinate that with volume of air. Um, so you're you're now trying to coordinate those two uh, those two you know, aspects of calling together. Um, so it's kind of the reverse. You start out, you know, on the, on the cow, you're starting out high to low on the bull call, you're, you know, or the bugle, you're going to start with less pressure. You're going to start to increase air and increase pressure together or however your, your mouth, it works, however, whatever combination you need to use to get that sound. But you're going to start to add more volume, more volume as you go. And you have to start to coordinate that pressure at the right time. Uh, on the bugle, but it's just—it's basically just a reverse. But as Corey said, you're gonna have to grab a lot more air out of your diaphragm, um, you know, for those bugles and control that air. You know, you don't want to just get that big deep breath of air and just blow it all out and be done, and then you can't get anything at the end of your bugle. Which a lot of times you hear that people hit yeah. the high note and then all of a sudden it's just dead. There's nothing yeah. there to finish yeah. it. So you want to control that air. And I found that tongue pressure, I start off with low air pressure and low tongue pressure. Yep. Then I increase the tongue pressure. And then I really push with the air to hold that high note. That's what really holds. I'm high tongue pressure. And then the high air pressure comes to hold that high note. And then I drop them both off pretty rapidly. Yep. And so would you, I mean, I'm, I'm asking this question no, probably knowing the answer. Would you recommend practicing initially with your bugle tube or just working on controlling that, that pressure Sans bugle tube, just working on that call first. I feel like you use car salesman, but the tube actually makes bugling easier. Okay. Um, there's a there's a component of a tube that adds back pressure. It will help you learn to control the reed. It doesn't make if if these tubes are just cut off on the end, they're all cupped for a reason. So you they know, just we, have a cupped we have in cupped. there. Mm-hmm. The, and and the way that you know you start out with high velocity, let it open up into the chamber. There's things within the beagle tube that will assist you in running a diaphragm. Whereas if this was just chopped off, you now have to basically keep up with putting as much air through that, and it doesn't necessarily help you with the read yep. um, and provide that back pressure. So, adding, I, I feel like you use cars. Like, yeah, no, you need to is. buy a tube. <laughs> you can practice, but it's actually going to be more difficult to practice without a beagle tube. Well, some you, sort. you can demonstrate. I mean, just a diaphragm alone with a bugle. <laughs> That's not a very, I mean, it sounds more like a wounded coyote call. <laughs> and just simply doing that exact same thing with the tube. And it's crazy, like, I hit that high note. <laughs> Jason held up several I'm fingers. Judge, I'm helping the yeah. judges out for in a month. <laughs> that, uh... When I hit the high note without the tube, it fluttered like crazy. Like, it was hard to hold that consistent high mm-hmm. note. Just by adding the tube, like Jason said, that back pressure helps you just hold that consistent high note, helps you hit it, and you don't have to just blow a whole bunch of air, and it really controls that air pressure. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting because, I, I, you know, I mean, I asked the question thinking I knew the I, I would have thought, okay, you know, it's just adding more complexity. You want to focus on the steps first, but that's, a, that's an interesting point where you're practicing that and it actually – physically affects yep. the how the I, how you hold the air and the note and yep. everything. I think I'd recommend somebody starting off just going through the mechanics of yep. it without a tube 
just getting the just going up that stair step and back down then you can add the the bugle tube okay so let's really quick go through those mechanics then and try it out with a bugle tube and we'll we'll get out of brian's hair yep okay. <laughs> all right so it's just low tongue pressure low air pressure start it with that just low resonation now add some tongue pressure push some air pressure up there hold that high note and drop it off Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Do that over and over. Yep. And then all you do is get that cadence. I put a little growl, just a little bit of yeah. right there. And add that growl at the end. Growl at the beginning, growl at the end gives it that deep guttural sound that elk have and yeah. put it together with the tube and there we go. So you might try sliding that diaphragm up just a little bit in your mouth to hit the little bit higher mm -hmm. note and get that tongue up into it a little more. Yeah, you went up and grabbed that next yep. note there a little bit. So you hit it there. Okay. Any other tips you have? One of the things I do is I actually open the corners of my mouth to smile help me hit that, that higher note. Yeah, that little bit of smile. Yep. yep. Okay. Right. Yeah, it's one of those things you kind of forget you do, but yeah, you notice yourself on doing video. It, yeah. I saw that. I'm like, why was I doing I'm that? Smiling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See how it makes you hit a different note mm -hmm. there. Yeah. You got that higher note by opening the corners of your mouth up there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What other tips do you have for I mean, bugles? I, th I mean, I think that's about it on bugling. Um, yeah, just and just keep working through. So trying to get that consistent slow rise. Yeah, and Working I think through that break, and, and my I guess my tip would be is people pick up that call. What me and Corey just walked, or what Corey just basically just walked you through was just getting that. It's a it's a small portion of the bugle. There's so many more yeah. aspects to bugling. People get too hung up on I can't chuckle or grunt. Like for hunting wise, what you just did is what ninety. You know, we do all these fancy bugling, fancy grunting, um, some of these these other sounds, but really just concentrate on what you just did there. And once you've got that mastered, then start exploring and, and trying to get some of these other things. But but for hunting purposes, what you just did is is ninety five percent of the battle. Yeah, you can call in elk yeah. with a simple cow call and so. a simple bugle. So. And this is you know this is the crowd we're trying to reach, and so uh, <laughs> you know I'm I'm not looking to to teach people to to win win the elk calling championship. Please I'm don't. Just hoping. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm just I'm just hoping this will this will help some folks who are starting out, and you know, like myself, even it, you know, I, I kind of knew some of these basics, and but just I already feel my cow calling improving significantly just walking through the step by step and those little pieces that if you watch a YouTube video you don't get. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so you know, I hope this hopefully helped out someone out there getting to getting to watch this. Thank you guys so much for taking the time. Thank you to Brian for letting me steal his couch for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So we are now getting officially kicked yeah, off. Yeah, now, now yeah. we're getting kicked out, and, and rightly so. I'm, I'm hogging, hogging the things. But thank you guys so yeah. much. Yeah, thanks for having us. All right, y'all. That'll do it for episode 64 of Living Country in the City. Make sure y'all head on over to the show notes page at livingcountryinthecity.com slash 64 to check out links to everything we talked about in the episode, as well as links to all of Corey and Jason's socials. 
Also, I'm going to be posting up a link there to the YouTube video of this episode so y'all can get really the full effect. But in the meantime, keep it country, y'all. Thank y'all for listening to Living Country in the City. Get show notes and check out the blog, product reviews, events, and more at livingcountryinthecity.com. 